Hello and welcome to the Pop Culture Confidential Annual Oscar Prediction Special. I'm Christina Yerling Biru. So the Oscar telecast will air next weekend and we are here to get our predictions locked down this very unusual and even controversial year at the Academy Awards. And I'm so happy to have with us again the formidable expert on all things popular culture and one of the sharpest Oscar prognosticators, the New York Times carpetbagger Kyle Buchanan. Oh, and just a note before we begin. During this crazy season, the Academy has announced weird and unpopular changes and then reversed them just a few days later. Remember that new popular film category that they wanted to have and that only two songs would be performing at the telecast? Well, they just did it again. Two hours after my talk with Cal Buchanan, they reversed their decision to present four major categories during the commercial breaks. So you'll hear us talking about all this pre-reversal. Again, welcome to a crazy year at the Oscars. Mr. Buchanan, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for being with us here again. Thank you for having me. Congratulations are in order since the last time we talked because you were hired as the New York Times carpetbagger. And for those not familiar, it's a pretty prestigious position for us who sort of cover awards. You're following in some important footsteps. Tell us a bit about that. Well, that's kind of you to say, yes, I am the carpetbagger columnist. It is essentially it takes up six months out of my year and it is focused pretty exclusively on award season movies. Not just the movies, the interviews, the profiles of the people who are making it, but also the politics of the award season ecosystem. And, and certainly anybody who's been following the Oscars and even a passing way this year is well aware that a lot of crazy narratives can spring out of this gig and, and have this year. It's been a, a contentious, controversial, unique Oscar season. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a bit about that. Some of the people who have been before you there as carpetbaggers are Melina Rysik and Kara Buckley, who are sort of part of the Me Too team now. And of course, David Carr, the mm-hmm. David Carr. <laughs> David Carr, obviously, at least to me, a journalistic legend. And I adore mm-hmm. Melina and Kara. Uh, they're still doing such strong work. So I just hope to uh, not drop the baton. No, you won't. I, I, I'm sure of it. But before we get started on the predictions, you were saying this year, what the hell is going on? It started many months ago when the Academy announced this whole thing about a new popular film category, and that was sort of thrown to the side and didn't happen. And then the whole no host debacle. And now we have this thing where they are not going to be including four big prizes in the telecast. Well, they'll be giving them out in the commercial breaks and doing some sort of air afterwards. What is going on with the Academy and why? I don't think they quite understand why people want to tune into the Oscars. It reminds me of a politician who is chasing the votes of undecided voters instead of his base. People tune into the Oscars for major moments. And when the only thing that the producers are concerned about is ruthlessly cutting the length of the telecast, well, it might be shorter, but will it be better? Right. I tend to lean towards no. I mean, that's the reason we sit there, especially if you think about us over here who start watching at 2 a.m. I mean, we're watching because we want to see the artists get their, you know, their, their due. <laughs> if you're playing off the speeches, if you're truncating the awards, if, as they had tried to do or as they'd floated, 
if you're going to reduce the amount of Best Original Song nominees and you don't even have a host or a monologue, what's left? Right. What is memorable about this? You might as well be issuing a press release. You know, The Oscars, the things that we remember are the moments you have to leave room for moments. Uh, what's your sort of why? What what is going on? Is it ABC and Disney who's the who you know air that that are putting the pressure on the Academy or wh- why is this? Yes, yes, ABC is putting pressure on the Academy. Uh, they think that the Oscar telecast is too long. This has been a complaint about the Oscars for decades and decades. It is not, as I often say, a complaint that people levy against the Super Bowl, and I think that's telling. You know, people want the Super Bowl to be maximal. A whole day is spent around it, and yet the Oscars are the ones that are supposed to reduce the length of the telecast. The Oscars are still, after the Super Bowl, the biggest entertainment event on television. Instead of concentrating on making them shorter, maybe move up the air date and make them better. Okay, let's get into some of the major predictions here this year, Kyle. What what do you say about original screenplay? Here we have the favorite first reformed Green Book, Roma, and Vice. You know, this weekend, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but at least this weekend, when I'm recording this is the Writers Guild Awards. And I'm really looking at them to shed a little bit of light on this because I think it could go so many different ways. To my mind, the obvious best screenplay is the favorite, certainly the wittiest, but I think it might end up being Green Book. If it does end up being Green Book, if Green Book takes that award, that is the sort of thing that makes me think that it could go all the way to best picture. You know, right. uh, it, it's a tricky category because there's also Vice, which the Academy obviously responded to, even if there's not a category where it's a lock to be rewarded. There's Roma, which, you know, is a contender to win multiple awards, including the biggest one, but where I think a lot of Oscar voters might say, we're voting for Alfonso Cuaron plenty, we don't need to do it here. And then there's First Reform. Paul Schrader has never even been nominated for an Oscar, let alone won one. Right. But I think that's the one that you could probably check off. Well, that that's the one that is least likely to win, just because I still run into people who sadly have not seen First Reformed. Okay, so you don't think that'll just for sentimental reasons, Paul Schrader will get it? No, unfortunately. I, 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 I think it's going to be Green Book. I would love to be wrong. Whatever you may think of that movie, even if you love it, I don't think people would say that. Yeah, and the controversy surrounding. <laughs> Green Book is one of the best screenplays, or that the screenplay is even the strongest thing about that film. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay, and adapted. There we have The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Beale Street, and A Star is Born. Is this A Star is Born? I don't think. <laughs> no? Oh, you're just <laughs> trying to make me laugh, Christina. The notion that ah. A Star is Born might win other Oscars <laughs> besides Best Original Song. No, I don't think that's in the cards. It has faded past that film. I suspect this will go to Black Klansman, and I'll tell you why. Because... Much has been made about the fact that Spike Lee has never won a competitive Oscar and that he has never even been nominated for Best Director and Best Picture. And I suspect that the Academy is eager to reward him and to change that narrative, but I don't think it will happen in Director and Picture. And often, a screenplay Oscar tends to be given almost as a consolation prize for a director that is appreciated but is still to maybe au courant for the rest of the academy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. often 
it is a, a person of color or a woman. I'm thinking of Jordan Peele last year. It's also an award that Sofia Coppola and Spike Jones have both won. I think that that will be the, the category where people will comfortably give Spike his Oscar. So director he won't get. Are, we, are you thinking that it's Cuarón's to, to win there on the director category? I do. Uh, I mean, Cuarón has won every significant directorial prize leading up to this. You know, he's won the Golden Globe, the, the DGA, the Critics' Choice. To me, he seems nigh unpenetrable. And since there is another category where Spike could win, I think that takes some of the wind out of his sails for actually winning Best Director, which would be a major coup and an absolutely major moment. I mean, Spike Lee winning Best mm -hmm. Director, who would not want to see that speech? Yeah, that'd be amazing. But, but yeah, I suspect it will be easier for Spike to prevail in screenplay. But I have to say, I don't mind Cuaron winning for Roma either. I think that he made an incredible movie, but it would be fun to see Spike. So either, both, at least we're talking about two really good ones right there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you want to see Alfonso Cuaron deliver an acceptance speech for Roma, you're going to get your fill. I, I suspect part of the reason that the Academy has, um, has shunted cinematography off to a commercial break, uh, which they will later edit into a truncated montage, is because they expect Cuaron will win there and there are already so many places where he's probably going to go up there and make a speech for a language film, director, and potentially mm -hmm. picture. So you think that he will win foreign language over Cold War and shoplifters and Capernaum? That, that to me, is, is probably a the lot. biggest no-brainer. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, while that is formidable competition, I think that's a pretty exquisite category this year. If Roma is going to be the, the first foreign language film to win Best Picture... It's absolutely going to win Best Foreign Language Film. Right, right, of course. And you mentioned editing there, one, the, one of the other categories that will be given out in the commercial break. Um, but that's a pretty important one, uh, I, I understand, when thinking of what's going to be Best Picture. Who do you think is going to take that one? Well, I don't think it will be anything that could win Best Picture. I think mm -hmm. this one is between Vice and Bohemian Rhapsody. Vice, because it's obviously very showy editing. So much of it is about you know jump cuts and and right uh interest, interesting juxtapositions but bohemian rhapsody i would not count this out there is a perception that john ottman the, the editor of that film rescued a troubled movie and also as we know by the fact that it got so many nominations people love this film i remember i was at the oscar nominees luncheon not long ago and uh all of the nominees in attendance, their name is called, and they take to these risers to take a, a class photo, if you will. And when John Ottman's name was called and they said editor Bohemian Rhapsody, my table, which was full of documentary nominees, was abuzz by, you know, them, uh, by how much they liked his work on the movie. Uh, I think it's funny because there recently was a, a video that really? went viral on Twitter about how choppy the editing is in Bohemian Rhapsody. I saw that, yeah. But I think when people think of the editing, they're thinking of the very last sequence, the Live Aid sequence. And that's that's the thing that has stuck in people's mm -hmm. memory, whether they're nominating it for Best Picture or potentially giving it the win for Best Editing. Do you think Black Panther has a chance in, for example, costume design, which I think was absolutely terrific? It absolutely has a chance. Mm -hmm. I think it would be outrageous if it didn't win. 
that is no shade meant towards the favorite where the costumes are gorgeous but what but what black panther has done is iconic immediately iconic you could not go outside on halloween this year in the u.s without running into little killmongers or black panthers or nakias uh, or Okoye's. Ruth Carter, who's never won the Oscar, absolutely deserves to, has an incredible filmography and has actually worked with Spike Lee several times. I, I just think, uh, to me, if, if Black Panther wins the costume Oscar, then at least one, uh, <laughs> at least one of those competitive Oscars has gone to exactly the right person. That, to me, it, I think it will be absurd if we leave this year and Black Panther did not get its due at the Oscars. It already hasn't in some ways. I think it's sort of outrageous yes. that Ryan Coogler was not nominated for Best Director. So at least make it up to the movie by picking the absolute strength right. of that film, which is the costumes. And over here, we're you know hoping for original score, um, which is a, a Swedish composer for Black Panther. But I, I'm thinking that that could be if Beale Street could talk i hope so i mean mm -hmm. uh I, which is I fantastic love, i love ludwig Göransson, who did the um black panther score i think what he's accomplished especially i i loved what he did with creed how he updated the rocky themes and made them seem powerful and new i do think that if beale street could talk maybe has the advantage it is such a lush score you can't hardly think about that movie without thinking about the score although I don't know. Maybe some people can. It did not get nominated for a Golden Globe, which astonished me. Very odd. To me, there were two clear standouts for best scores last year, which were If Beale Street Could Talk and First Man. And First Man didn't get Oscar nominated. It's out. It, yeah. it did get a Golden Globe nomination. So I'm stymied. Mm. I don't know what people are looking for this year. To me, again, it seems like a no-brainer to go for If Beale Street Could Talk. <laughs> But that doesn't necessarily mean that people will make the right choice. See, my dog also, if you can hear him, has very strong thoughts about this. He's very upset. Yeah, he's right. saying, vote Nicholas Bertel, and I must agree. Right. Well, before we get into the um, four actors in our last uh, five minutes here, are there any of the other um, awards that we haven't got into that you think would be interesting to mention? Well, I think Best Animated Film will be an interesting to, one to watch. You know, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has collected virtually every major animated film award so far, but it's, it's fascinating to see that happen because it is up against a juggernaut, the most successful animated film of all time, Incredibles 2. Is it really? It is. Uh, no, no animated movie has ever made more money than Incredibles 2, and it was a very well-reviewed film by, you know, an incredibly highly regarded director, Brad Bird. I think that the animation branch, you know, loves Brad Bird, obviously is often partial to Pixar. Will they be young and hip enough to go for Spider-Verse or will this be where its momentum is halted? Mm -hmm. And what do you think? I'm going Spider-Verse. I just think that there is so much excitement about that movie. The, the animation is beautiful and innovative and I, I think that even though it has won so much this season, it still has this profile of an underdog that you want to get behind and, and that 
I think a lot of voters will be eager to do that. Right, right. Okay, so actor in supporting role. There we have Mahershala Ali, who's been winning everything. Also, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Sam Elliott, Stars Born, Richard E. Grant, and Sam Rockwell. Do you think Mahershala's streak will continue? Yes, absolutely. This, to me, I think it's the the safest, cleanest Oscar acting bet this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Even uh, over Glenn Close in The Wife? Even over Glenn Close, because I think the competition there is stronger. And, and we'll get to that when we talk yes. about that category. But I just think Mahershala is considered to be head and shoulders above everybody else in that category. Somewhat by dint of the fact that he is he has far, far more screen time than anybody else in that category. He is, to me, a clear co-lead who has taken the supporting route. He's incredible in the movie. He is beloved by the industry. People obviously love that movie. That is the safest, easiest place to reward it. I I don't see anyone even having a shot at taking it away from him. I know how well-liked Richard E. Grant is. He has been a wonderful presence on the award circuit this year. Maybe Mm -hmm. Richard E. Grant is the only person who could take it from Mahershala, but I don't see what would happen to make that happen. And you even think any sort of controversy that's been around Green Book, that, that won't make any difference. In I, think, I think it's crucial to understand that what is a controversy online is not always a controversy within the Academy. In fact, it rarely is. You know, there are films that deal maybe inelegantly with race or gender or the band Queen. <laughs> and <laughs> they become flashpoints for online discourse, but the Academy is older dodgier not plugged into that they don't know that you know it's um poison to say i love green book on twitter they just love green book and they want to reward it otherwise they wouldn't have nominated it for so many things i mean if bohemian rhapsody a film directed partially by brian singer who was fired who is a controversial figure obviously especially after that atlantis report if that can still get nominated for best picture yeah. Then the idea that the Academy is overly cognizant of, uh, of online sentiment should be put to bed. The one place you can say people actually are living under a rock, I guess. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so actress in supporting role, moving on. These are some great performances. You have the two women from The Favorite, Rachel Weisz, Emma Stone, Regina King, and if it be in Beale Street, Marina de Tavira, which was a surprise from Roma, and Amy Adams in Vice. I mean, this is the acting race I'm most excited for the outcome of because it could go so many ways. Regina King has thus far won the most prizes, but she's also been snubbed by uh, a lot of significant organizations. The fact that she didn't manage a Screen Actors Guild nomination for this movie really worries me. It's mm-hmm. uh, kind of hard to bounce back from that and actually win the Oscar. Meanwhile, you've got Amy Adams, who has shown up for the nominations every time, but hasn't notched a significant win for this role, even though everybody is waiting for the year that Amy Adams finally wins her Oscar. And then you've got Rachel Weisz, who just took the BAFTA Award for Best Supporting Actress. So I suspect it is between those three. I know that people, some people are even predicting Marina de Tavera as a spoiler. I think people are just excited by her newness to the category because she did not show up on any other list. I think it's between Vice, King, and Adams. If I had, if you put a gun to my head today, I would say it's Regina King. There is such affection for her. Uh, Again, uh, the Oscar nominees luncheon 
I think there were maybe three people where you could detect a level of applause that was much bigger, much warmer, much with much more feeling than mm-hmm. other people. And uh, one of those was Regina King. So I think it's her. Right. Okay. And then we have the two leading roles here. We have actor Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper, who uh, stars Bourne, who seems to not be winning a lot this year, even though everyone thought he would. William Defoe, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, and Vigo for Green Book. I'm thinking that everyone's thinking it's Rami, right? Everyone's thinking it's Rami because everybody's voting for Rami. Okay. Um, if they're not voting for Rami, they're voting for Christian Bale, but they are, are That's a not. Given. They're voting for Rami. Right. Uh, they're not voting for Bradley Cooper. I'll tell <laughs> you that. They're, yeah, they are voting for Rami. Uh, you know, it ticks all the boxes. It is uh, playing a real person. It is flamboyant. It is physically transformative. Like, I know how basic it sounds, but voters love that. But as opposed to Bradley, he's lip-syncing. Yeah, I know, but people don't seem to care. care. I mean, they act like these Queen songs were invented for the movie. (laughs) You know? Like, if you... Truly, the goodwill that people have about these classic Queen songs, it's the the wind in this film's wings. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they're willing to forgive um, Sin's book cinematic things. and extracurricular it seems to me you know I mean I think that Rami Malek if that film works at all it is because of him and when you see him do it you think that there are very few actors who could do it with the same level of skill and panache he's got but yeah man it is a glorified Wikipedia entry in it my is. opinion it that is. film so it, it, it baffles me that supposedly more discerning voters are so taken in by it mm-hmm. And then we have actress. We have Yalitza Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Close, the wife, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, Lady Gaga, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? This seems to be between Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman. Am I right? I would say so, and I think it's pretty much so not for Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I, I think a lot of people were underestimating her until she won the Golden Globe, which was not just a surprise win but an opportunity for her to make a speech that was incredible, both right? resonated and made a case for her, you know? She is playing someone, a character, who has not been given her due. It, it syncs up almost too perfectly with the opportunity to finally reward Glenn Close, who has never won the Oscar before. I, I just think that it's, it's too irresistible an opportunity for Oscar voters to let pass by. And Olivia Coleman. This is more of an announcement of what she can do. It's more of a way of her... She'll be back, right? Well, it's, essentially, she can become the next Glenn Close, you know? I, I think people who really respond to that performance, they know that she can crop up at the Oscars again, that she is that good and skilled and has now had a great platform to introduce herself to people who might not have known her. Whereas Glenn Close may not always have the opportunities, especially at her age, to get showcases like the one the wife provides her. Okay, so we're at Best Picture, and I think most of our listeners by now know about the preferential ballots, and and we don't have to go into explaining that, but what do you think this year? What will happen? For me, I I find it almost impossible today to say what I think will win. (laughs) I could make the case for any of these movies, and I did it in an article recently. That said, I think it is between Green Book and Roma. Just based on what they have taken home so far, they have been the dominant movies 
of this award season. Green Book won the Producers Guild Award. That is an incredible, lines up with the Best Picture winner the majority of the time. Meanwhile, Roma has won the Directors Guild Award, won Critics' Choice. Most ceremonies, it wins at least one thing. The Golden Globes, it might have even taken Best Drama if foreign language films were eligible for that award, which they aren't. But it's still one best director, you know, and best foreign language film. It's kind of crazy to me that in a year with films like Black Panther, A Star is Born, that it's going to end up being Green Book versus Roma. But it will be a fascinating test of not only where the Academy is, are they newer, younger, hipper in a way that makes a difference, but also where the industry is. If a streaming service can win Best Picture, then all bets are off. And I think... I, I don't know what the next decade of uh, Oscars will bring, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if in a few years you will need to come out in theaters at all in order to win Best Picture, you know? Uh, right. Even though Netflix did rent some theaters for Quaron to show his film, I think that's mostly a gesture meant to start getting people on board. Once the floodgates have opened, there won't be as much of a need. But if you had to predict right now, best picture of the two (sighs) (laughs) yeah boy i don't know um if if green book wins writer's guild then i'll probably irrationally shift to green book in the meantime i think the stars are as aligned as they could possibly be for roma okay well then we'll keep an eye out of the writer's guild and for everything else thank you so much for fitting us in i know that I mean, as you were talking about your role as the carpetbagger, this this must be so stressful for you this week. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much to Cal Buchanan. You can follow his Oscar season dispatches at the New York Times Carpetbagger. And good luck to you if you are predicting the Oscars this year. It's going to be a difficult one um, as I try to predict them as well as I can at my own Oscar viewing party. It'd be interesting to hear what your predictions are. Send me those on our Twitter, at PodPopCulture. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment, please rate us. This show was edited by Catherine Lundell, and I'm Christina Jörling-Biro. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo. And co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema. Our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.